So this episode is going to be valuable for anybody who thinks it's of the utmost importance to be yourself, but they also want to market themselves. I think Lyndon does it well. It's very tastefully done. If you want to know what I'm talking about, just follow Wheelhouse, uh, follow his account. He's had a lot of success. He's also uh, put in a lot of work to hone his craft. He has education behind him, but just a good dude. And there's nothing that fills my cup more than talking to really good people, and he's one of them. So I hope you enjoy this one, and I hope you share it with a friend. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, episode 63. Here I am joined by the one and only Lyndon Wilcock. How are you doing today? So good. Heavily caffeinated. Walk on the go. That's how how my days are best spent. <laughs> what is your preferred way to intake caffeine? Oh, man. Okay, uh, I actually was talking to people the other day about this. And, like, usually people answer this question and they'll be like, oh, in the summer I like the iced coffees and then I like a nice dark roast in the winter that's hot. But, honestly, I would like to intake my caffeine from other people's half empty coffees and hear me out before you're like that's ridiculous sometimes i'm like i don't want to make another decision and be like oh i want uh, exactly this much coconut milk in my unsweetened iced coffee i just want to take a chance on whatever coffee i see laying around and trust that that person made the right decision and then i don't either i can just have like six gulps and be like okay i'm ready i'm feeling sharper i'm ready to hop on a bike and i didn't have to make the decision or buy it <laughs> so there that, that's crazy but it's cool like I, I can see where you're coming from there you run the risk of like a lot of like non-determined variables with those coffees that lie around but right yolo am i right yeah <laughs> yolo yolo yeah so love it great let's... question and how about you how about you oh well you turn the table i like i'd say just yeah. black coffee that that's the way i like to to roll but I found that there's so many businesses yeah. that locally are doing coffee these days that if if I had every choice in the world, I would like to support like a local business where the dude's in their garage and they're roasting the coffee. And there's just something neat about that and makes it taste better. Love it. Yeah. Have you ever tried... a story behind it, hey? I feel like... Yeah. Have you ever tried those uh, Bang Energy drinks? No. They're, they're pretty Not crazy, familiar. but like they're from the U.S. Um, there's some stores that import them now across Canada, but like that's like the cat's meow for energy drink connoisseurs. Why? It's just it has this unique taste and it uh, gives people a feeling of more energy. I think it's got unique ingredients. That is a lot it caffeine of the- or is it? I think there might be a stipulation where there's actually not actual caffeine in it and it's some other like herbs and plants and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I just see it in social media a lot and it got me curious because I know a lot of like people who really enjoy spin really like caffeine. Yeah. Um, so I want to like, 
What kind of goes hand in hand? Totally. We got the funny delay that throws us off here and there. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so, what is your origin story for getting into spin? Like, tell me about the year before you started. Any any spin classes? Any oh. business? Any of that? Okay, sounds good. So, personally, my background uh, is in hockey. So I had done some bike training with that, some spin classes. And I, at the same time, or as soon as I was transitioning out of hockey, kind of gravitated towards marketing and business. So uh, this put me in a position where I, for a career, liked the idea of doing something active, but also was passionate about marketing. So uh, I was just winding up a job at the university in Regina and Kyle Gibson, my partner, my business partner, was living in Calgary. And he's just one of those guys who just, you just, in business school, you assumed was just going to be the CEO of a big company someday. So I got a Facebook message from him that said, hey, I have an interesting idea slash potentially an exciting opportunity. And it was uh, around the time where like any Facebook message you get, you're like, okay, what pyramid scheme are you trying to sign me up for? But the fact that it was him made me do a double take. And I was like, yeah, let's chat on the phone tonight. And he'd been in Calgary, actually, and he'd really enjoyed spin. And it was in, since this is over five years ago now, it was in its earlier stages with boutique spin studios. And he surprised me by saying, hey, I'm actually thinking of moving home and opening a business, and I like the idea of spin studios. And uh, I had actually put a little bit of thought into it and liked uh, I'd heard people talking about uh, how much they liked it or liked the idea of it. So I had put a bit of thought into it and thought about it from a business and marketing perspective. And what I liked most about it is that after having worked with a variety of businesses doing marketing for them, I realized that my time was best spent doing marketing for businesses that were inherently social, where there were stories to tell. Like there's a difference between a spin studio and an insurance company in that uh, the spin studio would probably do better on Instagram because they're interesting stories or people to highlight. Uh, yeah, just a bit more appealing. So I was like, yeah, Kyle, like this is something I'm interested in. And, uh, to be honest, we, by the time our business partner courtship, as we called it was over the vetting period where we spent literally months making sure it was a good partnership. Uh, by the time it was over, uh, we were starting our planning, really not having a lot of experience in spin specifically. So a lot of it was learning on the go as we had and because we were developing the passion for it, not because we're like, oh man, we've been doing spin for 15 years and now we want to share it with the world. It's like, hey, this is a great idea and we can, with our high standards, create something and learn it along the way and like bring people along for that journey. I like it. That's a good answer. And I've always noticed like you have a skill for marketing. Like that's, you gave me some advice before the episode and I'm taking it because I know that you, <laughs> like you prove your worth. You, uh, you got a great social media presence. I noticed that you've started to, uh, do some oh, stuff for uh superstore. So tell me about that a little bit of the, how would you <laughs> yeah. get into superstore? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, I've always, been very careful about like the influencer world because I I see a lot of people's content becoming white noise 
if they don't continue to provide value as soon as they're representing a brand. So I've been very reluctant to jump into that, uh, despite having a few requests from brands. Uh, the Superstore one, though, came at a time when, like, the, I love the idea of having, like, my essentials paid for. And it makes sense for, like, when I think about my life essentials are, it's like, okay, it's my workouts, uh, my food, my travel, and my lodging. So those are like the main categories that I would be open to those kinds of partnerships in. So when Superstore came along, I was like, okay, it's a natural fit. I already shopped there. Even if I can just get some food paid for, I feel like I can naturally and authentically represent their brand. Uh, so there's that side of it. And they just, uh, the agency that represents them reached out via Instagram. Uh, so that's how it started. But I think the most interesting part for me is that I get to use it as a bit of an experiment, seeing how big brands handle trying to scale their authentic word of mouth and social media marketing. Because I've, I've been like, honest, like admittedly the most judgmental uh, small business marketer when it comes to how the big brands do it. Cause I'm like, oh my goodness, here's another brand who's on Instagram treating it like it's a TV commercial, et cetera. And these kinds of initiatives where they have people who shop at Superstore and have some sort of like uh, lifestyle that they find appealing or credible. Um, yeah, that's, how, that's their way of keeping it authentic or making it seem like more like down home word of mouth marketing. Uh, but I now have an, an inside look at where the breakdown is and why that end product a lot of times still doesn't come across as authentic and how even I wanting to represent them the most authentically uh, run into requirements that they give me that prevent me from being ex exactly how I wanna be on Instagram, you know, and making sure it's a completely natural relationship. So I feel like it's warning me of the potential pitfalls as my business hopefully grows and also reaffirming my current strategy, which is like, uh, you know, staying nimble, uh, telling the stories of what's going on in the studio rather than having other people come in and be paid to say good things. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lesson for me in marketing as well. Totally. As far as your marketing has gone, what's been the one thing that you've done that you've been the very most proud of? Uh, I guess I'll answer it in two ways. I'll answer it with like a specific piece of content, but then more so the like overall concept. So I'd say the overall concept that I'm most proud of is not because it's something that I did, but because it's something that we as Wheelhouse Cycle Club have bought into is making not only our business, but our marketing, not about us, uh, but instead about the people who come through the door. And the last thing I want to do is run a spin studio that's trying to be cool. That's saying, Hey, look what we're doing. Hey, look how good we look. Come see how sick this is. But instead say, Hey, 110% of our energy is put into making you the rider feel like it's all about you. 
And that's something we realized needed to happen early on with the way we conducted ourselves inside and outside of the studio and also on our marketing. So from that are just, they're not even testimonials being like, hey, this is how Wheelhouse changed my life. It's just testimonials about people's journey saying, hey, this is what I've overcome. And along the way, I found Wheelhouse. And so instead of being like, hey, look at us, look what's great about us, we say, hey, no, look what's great about the people who we're so blessed to have walked through our doors. So the adoption of that is what I'm most proud of, the adoption of that mindset. And then uh, a couple specific pieces of content would be uh, the rider stories we do where that's, uh, they talk about their life and it's, um, like we've had people talk about reaching rock bottom, uh, and using a lot of imagery with that and then talking about how far they've come in the past year to, and it just like has then impacted so many other people and not impacting like, Oh, then they came to spin too, but impacted other people who are just like, Hey, I want to make this change too. Thanks for your inspiration. And I am proud that we can be instrumental in changing people's lives, even if they never set foot in one of our studios. Totally. I like that way of putting it. So I have another question for you. And this one is in the last seven days, what is one thing that you were the most proud of? Ooh. Uh, This is, this is, so good for me for you to like to make make me think of these things because i'm admittedly very hard on myself and i could think of seven things in the last week that i'm like oh man underachieved wish i could have done better let someone down you know like i'm just so readily <laughs> i have those things so ready to to say but this is a good thing because i also preach like hey you got to celebrate daily you got to like uh look at what you're doing well remind yourself that you're doing great that you made progress so i i like this uh but it's hard uh in the last seven days, I think, um, oh man, did you expect this to be this hard? Yeah, usually, usually it like drops do, people Do people cold. typically have a hard time with this one? Yeah. Okay, sick, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the setup. Uh, so we had a motivator who's been with us in Regina and Winnipeg now moved from Winnipeg. So now she's leaving the studio. It's to be determined whether she'll uh, motivate with us again. Um, But she built up a a great following by being super authentic and consistent and committed and uh, really like taking time with individuals and like to the point where people were crying at her last ride and the stack of gifts was like unlike anything I've ever seen and uh, I'd say like initially it's like I'm most mostly proud of her for living that out Uh, but I'll challenge myself to take some pride in this as well because I feel like um, some of the things that brought her success were her uh, fully buying in and embodying the culture that we've set out to create. So her having some success within that uh, makes me happy because it's like, oh, I think 
not that it's a formula it's never culture is never a formula but like uh i'm still like oh some of the things we set out to do worked because she lived that out not taking any credit away from her and then her abilities and hard work that led her to have that success and develop those connections but i'd like to take like as a team and as a leadership group some pride in the fact that uh the hard work put into setting that culture resulted in her having a very successful career as a motivator that's a good answer i like that um my next question is as a small business owner in the fitness industry what is the toughest thing that you've mm-hmm. ever had happen to to your uh, career this far uh one thing is on that note like people leaving is just always so tough you you just assemble a team and you think oh man now we've done it this is great and you like trick yourself into thinking that that's the way it'll always be and i remember the first time a very key member left it was like uh it was like oh my goodness i like i don't know if we'll survive like we only have six motivators this is our top motivator and then you're like oh wait things things have a way of <laughs> other people have a way of emerging you know other new eager people come along you yourself find a way to fill the gaps and adapt so people leaving is always tough uh oh man there's a i think there's a lot of ways i can answer this uh so the toughest thing as a business owner to ever happen is that the question you bet okay A lot of it was right at the start, uh, just being like, not knowing if it was going to work. Uh, the city's permitting process going so slowly that you're just like spending money on rent, but not making any money because you're not allowed to even finish your construction. And before you know it, you're like, how are we even going to pay for our construction? Because all this money is gone from the rent and now it's day one and we're finally open and we still have paint on our hands and haven't been able to do marketing for the last two months because we've been busy painting till four in the morning and now it's day one grand opening we thought it was going to be grand but there are only 25 people here total you know like things like that were terrifying so the lead up was tough uh after that i think like it's tough like personally as well like any amount of time you spend in the public eye or experiencing success people talk and like i've heard things about me that i didn't even know you know what i mean and so it's tough to personally kind of to rally back uh from that that's more a personal note um but yeah i don't know it's owning a business can be very tough if you don't like you're encouraging me to do reflect on how far you've come reflect on the people you've got to meet along the way reflect on the people who have honored you by being willing to work with you and for you and yeah like that's just so important so yeah good question i could probably talk about it a lot but i like it you answered it well that's good for now (laughs) so my next question is with uh with high school what was your high school experience like and what kind of uh person were you were you like a jock an academic tell me uh oh man this is so hard to quantify um I split my high school time between my hometown of Mossbank, Saskatchewan, 120 people total in the high school, would have been 10 or 11 people in my graduating class, uh, and then Moose Jaw uh, when I moved away for hockey in grade 11. 
And my graduating class there had a hundred people. And I thought it was just the biggest school on earth. I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is awesome. Cause I, just, I loved people. Um, so in high school, I think I was like early on, I was, I was really focused on hockey. I wasn't a partier. So we were all in our small town school. Like everybody was like quite accepted and got along. We were a tightly knit group, but it wasn't like popular by any means. I was just like, I don't know. Uh, but what I was, I was always a very like motivated and passionate person. Like I feel like I embodied school spirit. And when I moved to Moose Jaw, I was a hockey player at a, at a school where a lot of the hockey players went, but I kind of subconsciously made it my mission not to just be seen as like, Oh, here's one of those hockey players who's here for part of the year. So I ended up staying the whole year and I remember someone into my second year there, someone I'd hung out with quite a bit in the middle of class one day was like, what, you're on, you're on the hockey team? And like, and I was like, I was proud of that moment because I was like, oh cool, I'm not like typecasted and I, hopefully that, that means I'm well-rounded and uh, mobile in my, with my friend groups. Um, so I, I made it my mission to be friendly and one of the greatest honors I received in high school is there's like the most likely twos and the, these awards that voted on by your peers at the end of the year and i was voted most likely to live in mr rogers neighborhood so i was like it's kind of like the friendliness award <laughs> which looking back is like so cheesy but like i'm still proud of that like you know just i like being known as friendly i think that's a good takeaway that that is the mark of a good human being when that's what they're proud of out of high school is being called most friendly like that's how you know it's a good person so my next question <laughs> next question for you is going to be when you were just leaving high school, like were you thinking it was going to be a career in hockey or were you thinking it's time to gear up and go to school? And would you picture yourself being in the position you're in now back then? Uh, leaving high school, it was this education. And like stupidly, I... I love the idea of being like a college hockey player in the States who eventually makes the NHL, but also has like a PhD, you know, like just as like all around overachiever. But the reality was I was like, okay, I've played triple A hockey for two years. Now it's time to make the jump to junior. Uh, I want to make the WHL. I'm going to set my sights on that at the very least play junior A for three years and then go to college and play hockey. And it was like, okay, do or die. I need to do this. Um, and a lot of it was motivated by my identity being found in the fact that I was a hockey player. And I think that's something that's like, super common among athletes and among professionals of any trade, really. Uh, and in hindsight, it's like, oh, man, I, I probably would have made a more well-rounded decision if I wasn't motivated by the fear of no longer being a high-achieving hockey player. But I, you know, milked the hockey career out for another number of years school along the way and i so to answer your question did i foresee this career path uh i'd say no not really because i kind of had more traditional career paths in mind i was like oh yeah like the hockey education maybe law something like that but i think with uh like most of the best laid plans uh they can be made a fool of and um it turns out my reality in my opinion is even better and I couldn't even imagine it because I 
get to work with so many amazing people. I still get to be active. Like I, I get a workout while at work. Um, I meet so many people. I get to do something I'm good at. I let, I get to try if one day I'm like, Oh my goodness, my general workload is either too much or not enjoyable. I can shift and work on another aspect of the business and try something that I haven't. So I'm like, to answer your question, no, it's not necessarily what I anticipated, but it's even better than I could have imagined. I like that. That's Despite the fact it's a ton of hard work. Oh, totally. For <laughs> sure. Um, so my next question for you is, I want you to think about three people that you really look up to. Just like it could be family, it could be friends, it could be people younger, older, whatever. Just three people that really stand out and tell me why. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so first, my dad, because he's an incredibly hard worker, and he's preached work ethic since day one. And even though I remember him saying, like, oh, you got to work hard and making me work hard growing up, it's taken almost till now to fully appreciate it uh, and apply it to the new things in my life as I, I attempt to carve a career out for myself. Um, but then my mom as well has balanced that out by being like encouraging smart work. And so that's like really balanced out my, my worldview of work. And I think if you can have both those things and you're doing something right. And then thirdly, I'd say like anybody who's incredibly selfless, but one person is Wayne Manteca. Uh, people from Saskatchewan tend to know who he is cause he's on CTV news and he's just like a really good natured, trusted news reporter. He's just so kind and you and he's an amazing example of someone who takes a genuine interest in the lives of others and always steers the conversation away from himself and i'll talk to him for an hour and then i'll be like why do i feel so good and then i'll be like oh wait because he made me talk about myself for like the whole time and people love to talk about themselves and i think it's such a good example that we can apply at wheelhouse in like getting to know our riders. Uh, it's a useful tool for anyone who has social anxiety. It's like, just go in and if you're at a party and you're worried about what you're going to say, how you're going to conduct yourself, stop thinking about yourself and just keep asking other people questions and then think about what you're asking them and then spend some time thinking about it later or exhibit that you've thought about it in the past. Like the, what you're doing, like you, you're asking intelligent questions, based on thought that you put into it on answers you've gotten from other people. And before I know it, I'm on your podcast having a great time because you're making me talk about myself. <laughs> so a guy like Wayne is a, a shining example of uh, making everything you do about like serving people around you, even if it's just by exhibiting that you're very interested in their life. And one of the favorite or one of the best quotes I've heard, and I'm going to butcher it, is something like, uh, it's a lot more, uh, it's, a, it's a lot more effective to be interested than interesting. And I think it's a good lesson for social media. Everyone's trying to be cool. Everyone's trying to be interesting. But instead, the best way to have an impact is to take a genuine interest in your followers, in your friends, in the people around you. I like that. So you're someone who's on social media a lot. Like 
for business, for all these things. I see sometimes in your story, you're planning out your posts. Have you ever had a time where you had yeah. to like step away from social media? Like it was just too much for you. You needed some balance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, but like, yes, but I've never been like, okay, I need to take the next week off. It's more like, okay, I'm just like not going to post for a while or I'm going to take like the rest of the afternoon off or I'm going to like prioritize uh, over social media. But I haven't like taken a hard stance on like, oh, I'm doing a social media blackout. It's more like, you know what? I can tell that it's getting in the way of my productivity and perhaps my mood. So I'm just going to ditch the phone for a couple hours, get a lot of work done, check the necessities when I get back, reply to people from the work account, and then get back to my day-to-day business. Totally. And you talked about mood and stuff. Like, What actions have you taken that resulted in you noticing your mood change? Like, What, what did you do that you're like, oh man, like, what, what am I doing? And then you stopped and like put your phone to the side. Uh, I think just like, seeing other people's lives and what they're doing and then kind of creating stories around their perception of you and being like, Oh, I I can't think of a specific example, but then a lot of it was just taking on because every time you see a story, like you comprehend things and certain feelings are evoked. You know, I think this is it. I think it's more like you think that you're doing it for enjoyment and entertainment but before you know it you're like oh this is what i'm not doing there's people doing things i'm not and then your net positive emotion from all the swiping isn't like oh i'm entertained and refreshed it's more like "Eh." and in that time for me the big thing lately is like wow the colossal time waste it can be so let's say i have slightly negative emotions surrounded or surrounding my 20 minutes of viewing people's stories not only do i have um, do I come out on the other side less prepared to take on my day and what I want to accomplish for myself and others, but I've also lost that time. And then I'm like, ah, you know? So I think that's the, <laughs> those are the big moments. And I'm looking more than ever for ways to organize my life and allocate my energy to the most effective tasks. And so I'm a lot more conscious of that lately. That's a good answer because like some people haven't even caught themselves yet. They're still just like scrolling along and they're getting frustrated and it can lead to a lot of like unnecessary emotions based on things that we see in a phone screen and not things that we see in reality. Like mm-hmm. quite often I'll encourage people to spend more time like in person with others because of how much more beneficial for that like how much more beneficial that is as humans than just always like contacting people through DMS. And that's, that's the great thing about like the community that you, you foster over at wheelhouse. So my next question is out of all of the interactions that you've had through your business, what's one that just sticks and you'll never forget it. Uh, okay. Like instantly there's like 20 that come to mind. So this is a tough question because there's so many 
lasting friendships and relationships that have come from it. Uh, one would be uh, my friend Sean from the UK. He was over, he kind of showed up out of the blue with his work associate, Mary, and they showed up at Wheelhouse. He had his ridiculously thick Scottish accent, couldn't understand every second word. And it was he actually showed up at Wheelhouse for a ride, and it was on my birthday. And I was like, oh, actually, it's my birthday tonight. And like we just like hit it off right away. He's like, I think he's in his mid to late 40s. So to me, like even though I'm 33, I feel like I'm like 25. So I'm like, oh, this guy's a lot older than me, but we hit it off. And I was like, hey, why don't you swing by? I'm going to have a birthday party at Wheelhouse tonight. So he was the first guy to show up. And he showed up with like gifts for me. He's like, hey, here's some drinks for the party. Here's a gift for you. Just I'm like, oh, my goodness, you don't even know me. Like, this is so nice. So we became fast friends. Uh, Mary did too. They were here working on the Overpass project. He was a business owner. Developed a friendship. He was just a very blunt guy. He would always tell us exactly what he thought of the rides. Um, in his thick accent. And then one day, Mary like, kind of barged into Wheelhouse and we were in a meeting and we're like, whoa, like, wh what's going on? And she's crying and she's like, hey, uh, it's Sean. He's had a stroke. And we're like, oh my goodness. Like, he's like the healthiest, strongest guy we know. Like, this is terrible. I had a hard time comprehending it. And then uh, like, hung out with him through the recovery, watched Mary become his primary caregiver as he's like across the ocean from his family. And uh, eventually he got back on a bike, started riding again. And like, it's not a story of like, oh my goodness, the miraculous 100% recovery. But it's just like being alongside people during those times and being able to support in a small way and see other people support and then develop a friendship and take time to like, hang out with the both of them was um yeah it was something I'll, I'll never forget and even though i don't see they've moved away since it's like i believe it'll be a lifelong friendship and we'll pick up right where we left off when i see them again um so that was one the big one that jumps out to me yet there's so many other long-lasting impactful relationships and I don't and I don't mean like oh wheelhouse and I've impacted these people it's like oh my goodness like what people don't realize is that I am sometimes the recipient of impact when I need it most perhaps more than <laughs> what I give you know yeah I totally so, get that there's a lot that's a that's a tough question to answer yeah so I want to know what are your core values? If you could identify like four things and it's like things that have to show up in your life daily. Mm -hmm. What would they be? Yeah. Okay. Um, so integrity. First one, I always go back to that. Um, hard work for sure. Uh, putting it, putting others ahead of yourself. I love and um, yeah, those like, those are the three main ones. Other ones, if I were to keep going, would be more kind of like organizational specific and culture and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Those are three, three big ones for me. That works. If you had a mantra, what would it be? <laughs> a 
Oh, good question. Um, ooh, do you have one? Do I have one? I like to go with people first. Ah, that's good. Like I run my life around I people really like first that. always. Um, yeah, that's cool. That like complies with our, our business mantra, which is like people before processes. So if you're faced with the decision in the studio, it's like, oh, I could do this, uh, I could do this cleaning or I could go meet three new people. It's like, you know, you go meet three new people. That's the most important thing. Uh, but I have to think more personally for this one. Um, Hmm. So, yeah, I'm like definitely a people-focused person, so I really like yours. I also uh, have a strong faith, so I'm often like faith first or God first. So, uh, and then when I'm doing that, I feel like I have a larger capacity to put people first and think outside myself because I like feel filled up and um like i'm on the right path i like that so even though yeah that's i this i like that this is encouraging me to actually sit down and be like oh this is my mantra and this is like the thing under which i make all my decisions on a daily basis that's great totally it's like i spend so much time thinking about it for the business <laughs> so like why don't i do that for myself that's awesome so i got two more questions for you the second last one is if you could give advice to your 27 year old self, what would that advice be? Mm. Uh, this is something I've been thinking a lot about lately uh, because when like starting wheelhouse uh, like and running a, a small business and trying to rapidly grow, you just get caught up in the day to day and there's always so many things you can do and you're like putting out fires, working on the thing that's closest to you. But often those things are short-term things. And sometimes you forfeit the things that set you up for the most success in the long-term, especially personally. So now I'm living under the, and this isn't like, this is kind of a mantra, not my main one, but would be like, I want to make decisions that set long-term Linden up for success. Not just like, oh, like what'll bring me and the business and my colleagues satisfaction and success in the next week or year, but like five, 10 years from now. And that is a better way to govern my decision. So I'd like to go back six years and say, hey, start making these decisions now. The other things will fall into place. Because uh, it's those small decisions when made correctly add up to make or add up to a better outcome in the long run. And it's little, th it's things like uh, how much you're sleeping, how you spend your time, who you spend your time with, how you spend your money, Things that in the moment are easy to be like, no, I'm not going to go to sleep yet. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to hang out with this person instead of my instead of calling my grandma. Like, like if you're thinking long term and what long term you is going to most value, uh, you can reverse engineer it to make the the better decisions on a daily basis. So I'd love to tell myself that, or at least remind myself that. Like I, I think I knew it, but I didn't practice it as much as I would have liked to. That's awesome. I, I relate to that. That's kind of like how I run my, my decisions. I want to think about like the long game and not just short term. So my next question Love for it. you, next question is, 
something that I ask all of my guests. And if you could give one piece of advice on how to authentically live your life to the fullest, what would that one piece of advice be? Uh, I don't want this to sound cliche, but I think if we could all realize earlier on that what other people think matters very little, then we'd find freedom in fully expressing who we are. Uh, we have, we just like worry about judgment. We worry that we'll be viewed as weird, but eventually you realize that the things that are quirky or weird about you are what set you apart. And that's, and that's as cliche as it sounds like that's beautiful. And I think a lot of people are going to work within these lines of what the world expects. Like seen and appreciated for who they truly are. Um, so I would have loved to earlier on be like, yeah, I'm just going to be, the quirky me that's trying to get out and not be so uh, controlled and calculated in situations where I was afraid of being judged. I like that. That's good advice. And that's like, I relate to that. I think we've all kind of learned that in some roundabout way, if, if we kind of align with the same values. So that's basically all I have for you today. I wanted to keep us on the timeline. So I want to thank you for joining me and we'll probably just nice. chat real quick after. <laughs> But yeah, thanks again for joining. That was fun. All right. So thank you for listening as always. Um, if you did give this a listen, please take me at Christian Little because it's just cool to know. Like I put this out into the universe and I'm talking and other people are talking too and you're here to listen to Lyndon and that's what's important. But it's just really cool to see kind of the reach that it has and maybe hear some feedback hopefully hopefully mostly good feedback but uh you know if if i sound funny i'll take it i can handle it i can handle it it'll be fine anyways thanks for listening uh nice uh ratings on on the apple podcast app are always very welcome and i hope you have a good day